Did you hear the words to that song? Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You took me from darkness to light. You have forgiven me. You have cleansed and washed me. I mean, that's all that needs to be done today, right there, that song right there. That is, that's all we need to do, but they, they pay me to do some more, so I guess we will. <laughs> that's the gospel. That's all we need to do. Isaiah one eighteen says this, Though my sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be made like wool. That's what, that's what Christ has done with his blood on the cross when you accepted him as Lord and Savior. Okay? Your sins were just going, whoo, 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 whoo. And when you accepted him as Lord and Savior, he said, I'm just going to do all that. I'm going to clean all that business up. That red stain of sin no longer is going to be on that body. It's all going to be gone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jerry, open us up with prayer, please. Jerry. We'll be in Ephesians 5 if you want to turn there again. A few years ago, well, it's been more than a few years now, there was that great movie that came out from Hollywood. It's called A Few Good Men. Anybody over probably 40, 45 knows what I'm talking about. A Few Good Men. Tom Cruise was in it. Jack Nicholson was in it. And, and, and you, if you saw it, you, you would remember this part. Tom Cruise was the attorney, and he was questioning Jack Nicholson, and it was getting pretty intense and pretty, pretty loud, and, and they were kind of shouting at each other, and, and finally Nicholson from the witness stand says, tells Tom Cruise, he says, you can't handle the truth. Y'all remember that line, don't you? I hope you do. You can't handle the truth. Oprah and her new agers will tell you that truth is exactly what you want it to be. You decide what truth is. You make it up. If it's true to you, then obviously it must be true. And she and the others would tell you there is no absolute truth in the world today. I would have to beg to differ with her, but that's the philosophy that her and many others, the New Agers, uh, think that... Uh, if it's good for me, if I like it, it's truth. If it's not, now nah, it's all right. It's still truth to me. No absolute truth. Pontius Pilate, as he was grilling Jesus before he was fixing to condemn Jesus uh, to the cross, 
And he's asking Jesus questions, and he, Jesus, is not giving very many answers, and he's kind of just letting Pilate kind of ramble there. And, and finally, finally, Pilate goes, what is truth? Pilate didn't know that truth was standing right in front of him. Pilate didn't know he was going to fix him to condemn truth to the cross. I suggest you, Pontius Pilate, couldn't handle the truth either at that point in time in his life. We looked at last week of, of John fourteen six, where we said, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That, my friend, is absolute truth. Jesus, as we said last week, is the living proof of truth. We also looked at John 17, 17, where it says, Sanctify them. Your word, or God's word, is truth. God's Bible is his written word to us. God's holy word, God's love letter to us, God's manual for life is God's written word to us. The world says there is no absolute truth. I suggest to you there is absolute truth. And absolute truth is in the person of Jesus Christ and in his word that he gave to us as his love letter to us. That, my friend, is absolute truth. Last week we talked about a little bit about truth. Uh, in Ephesians 5, 9, I told you we'd probably come back to this from, from last week. I'm not going to preach the same message. But uh, in verse 9 of chapter 5, it says this, For the fruit of the light, that's what we talked about last week, consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. And today, as we're going to look at that last part there, we're going to look at truth. Okay? Absolute truth. Truth. The title and message as we continue our series as a picture of a Christian is look what we get as born again Christians. The truth, the absolute truth, the fringe benefits of truth that we all get as being born again Christians. I hope today's message is a, an encouragement to you. I hope it's a reminder to you of, of what we have because we have been born again. I mean, there's nothing greater on this side of heaven or the other side of heaven than to be truly born again, to have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and He allows us to live forever and forever and forever and forever. It doesn't get any better than that. The first thing I want to show you, the truth sets men free from doubt and despair. The truth. And remember when I'm saying truth all through this, I'm talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and I'm also talking about His Holy Word, God's Word, the Bible that we have in front of us, His written Word. The truth sets us free from doubt and despair. You know, we live in a world that's pretty tough today, don't we? We hear of world events, we hear the war going on in Ukraine. Uh, we see the gas prices that just keep going, whoo. Okay, We read about inflation, the worst that we've had in 40 or 50 years. Okay, we, we, we struggle with that. We see supply chain shortages. We hear of corruption in our government. We hear of spiking of the crime all around us. And I suggest to you, for the unbeliever, that is a hard thing. 
as we see world events unfolding, and if you have never been born again, you don't understand that God's still in control. You don't understand that God is sovereign. You don't understand that God has a perfect plan for you and me in this old world that he's going to carry out one of these days. But if you're an unbeliever, you're not going to grasp any of that. And as you think about that, that unbeliever, man, as he sees world events and what's going to happen and, and Russia's going to lob some nuke over here, we're going to lob, no, 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 no. You see, for the unbeliever, we look at world events and they say, man, there's just, there's just no hope out there. I mean, there's just, there's just no hope out there. There's no peace out there. Where am I going to turn to find peace and to hope? I'm afraid of the future, they would tell you. And where do they turn? When personal tragedy comes to one who does not have Christ as Lord and Savior, maybe you've lost a a spouse or a loved one. Maybe maybe, uh, uh, you've got a child that goes bad. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe, Maybe something tragic has happened in your life. And if you have never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, most of those people, what they do when personal tragedy comes, you know where they go. They go hit the alcohol bottle to try to soothe the pain. They go to drugs trying to get out of of a reality. They look for love in all the wrong places thinking that maybe that would bring me some peace. And yet because they don't have Christ, they can't ever find that kind of peace. They go to friends who have the same issues that they have. Hurting people really sometimes can't help hurting people. And they wonder what's going on in this world and they, and they think those options will soothe their pain. But those options don't soothe the pain. All they do is mask the pain. All they do is mask the pain and they never bring pain, they never bring peace and they never bring comfort. None of those things will ever work. And the unbeliever, he bumbles and he stumbles and he fumbles through life. Because he has no anchor to hold on to. He has nothing that, that is solid. He has nothing that is set in cement. Because the world tells him this and this and this and this and this and they don't know absolute truth. And they drift along in a hopeless state. But I'm here to tell you, for the believer, it's a little bit different for the Christian. For you and I who have been born again, it is different. When when the events of the world get tragic, when something personal happens in our life, where do we go? We go to the living word of truth, which is Jesus. We go to the written word of God's Bible, and we take his verses, and we stand on them, and and we stand on them, and we have faith in them, and we trust them. Let me give you a few right here that just, man, just touches me all the time. Psalm 34, 15, when, when doubt and despair comes, let me tell you what happens. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, the righteous are those who have been born again. The righteous who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. And when doubt and despair comes, the Bible says what? The eyes of the Lord sees what you're going through. He sees what you're going through. And when you cry out, the Bible says what? His ears are open to your cry. He is not obligated to be to see and to hear 
the cries of the unbeliever. He's not obligated to do that. But his word is in print right there that says, I will do that. I see you and I hear you, born again believer. When strife comes into your light. Psalms 34, 18 says this, kind of similar. He says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. And he saves or he rescues those who are crushed in spirit. You're having a hard time? Believer, guess what? The Bible says the Lord is near. He's not some faraway God, billions of light years away. He is near. He is near. He is so near that he's taken up residence in the life of the heart of a believer. That's how near he is. And he says he is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves and he rescues those who are crushed in spirit. When life has just beat you down and your spirit is like, I can't go on. Guess who's near? Guess who sees? Guess who hears? In your darkest hour, believer, it is your Lord. It is my Lord who is there, who is near. Psalm 34, 19 says this. It says, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. Nowhere in God's word does it say that life's going to be easy for you as a believer. There are some preachers and some denominations and some other folk that if you become a Christian that life will be hunky-dory, you won't have a problem one. Let me tell you, that is a false teaching, a false prophet straight from the pits of hell because that's not what God's word says. It says you might have afflictions. Christ was called what? The man of sorrows. Okay, come on. If he struggled, I know we're going to struggle. And he says, he says, you're going to have afflictions. You're going to have hard times. But you see, God knows about those hard times. Do you know that? He knows about all those hard times. And he takes those hard times that you have. And he's going to mold you and he's going to mold me and shape us into a person that looks like his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, he's, that's what he's going to do. You're struggling with something. He's going to take that and mold it and shape you to make you look just like his son. Okay? It's been about a little over a year now that I preached a message on don't waste the trial. Don't waste the trial. Because when, when something comes into your life that is not, not happy and not fun and not, not hunky-dory, the Bible tells us don't waste that. Find out what God is telling you. Find out what God is doing in your life. Don't be mad at God. Just praise Him, the Bible says. And when you do that, He will eventually will tell you. It might take a while, but He'll tell you what's going on. Romans 8, 28. What does that say? He's going to take all things for the believer, and He's going to work them all out for good. Well, that's an easy one to preach, and that's a hard one to live, isn't it? We'll get there in just a minute. Jeremiah 33, 3. I'm about, I got two more verses on this. When you're despair and doubting, call unto me, God says, and I will answer you. And he says, I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. When you are in despair, Christian, when you're doubting, Christian, when you fear the future, when you see the world crumbling around you, the Bible says, come to me, call unto me, pray to me, just bring it to me, he says. And then the second part of the verse says what? And I will answer you. Because he hears and he sees and he knows and he's there. 
I will answer you. And one of these days, he said, in my time frame, I will give you an answer. I will answer what you have asked from me. That's comforting, is it not? That's comforting when, when you go, well, I don't know what life's all about. He said, okay, I get it. Just call unto me. Pray to me. I will hear and I will answer. Amen. That's just for the believer. Okay, that's not for the unbeliever. That's just for the Christian. Okay? You're anxious. You have no peace. You are churning inside. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this. Be anxious for nothing. Let me rephrase that. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, it says. But by prayer and supplication, taking it to God, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the great part of that last verse, it says what? In the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which sometimes makes absolutely zero sense, will guard your hearts and life in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty good verse. <laughs> Two verses. Matter of fact, that's a bunch of good verses. But what we do as believers sometimes, we read those verses and, yeah, preach, keep on preaching that. And we read it in these words... But we never allow those verses and other verses to impact our lives. We don't allow them to impact our lives. Yeah, it says, don't be anxious or anything. Well, but that's just the way I am. No, you're not. You want the peace that suppresses all understanding? Take it to God. You got a call that you've got a disease. He wants us, that verse, to impact your life. Not just know it, not just memorize it, but you stand on it, and you believe it, and you have faith in it, and you trust that verse. And every time that anxious feeling comes up inside of you, that verse says, you don't have to be anxious for anything. All you got to do is come to prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And the peace of God will come upon you. See, that's a, that's a promise from God's word. We have got, Christians, we've got to allow his word to impact the way we live, the way we speak, and the way we act, and the way that we react. You see, we got something special. And that's Jesus who, who says, this is the way it's going to be. Do you believe it? Do you trust it? You got to let it impact your life. The second thing I want to show you on this truth idea. The truth sets men free from the bondage of sin. You've been born again. You are not under the bondage of sin. Amen. Romans 3.23 says this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. John 8.34 says everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. For the unbeliever it is a life that is lived in darkness. Matter of fact, last week we said it's not just so much in darkness, but that person is darkness because there's no light, because God is light. For the unbeliever, a light, that person is a life that's living in darkness because he or she is darkness, the Bible says. For the unbeliever, it's a life that pursues 
worldly pleasures. It's a life that is very self-centered and greedy. It is a life that says, I will pursue uh, immorality. I will pursue the things that make me happy. The unbeliever says, it is a life that says, I will reject God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to do my own thing. I'm here to tell you that never works out. Sin for a season is good. Sin for a season can, can make you happy. Sin for a season can make you joy. But sin will never, ever, ever bring happiness and fulfillment in this old world. It might for a day, a, day, a month, a year, a few years. But somewhere sin will have its consequences and will take its place. Sin in the life of a person brings guilt, brings doubt, brings confusion, brings bondage, brings remorse. And if we continue to pursue those kinds of lifestyles, unbeliever, there will be consequences to that. You might have heard this before. I think I've done it before. It says sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It will cost you more than you want to pay. That's what sin does. Who would want to live a lifestyle of that? I mean, there, I see no, no fun in that, do you? But for the believer, who we are, what do we get from this, this Christian experience? Let me tell you what we get. We get freedom from sin through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Freedom from the bondage of sin. Sin no longer has a, has a hold on us. We are no longer in chains to sin. When sin comes and we are tempted, we have a way out of sin. We, have, we can get rid of that temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We are no longer tied to this old earth, bound by the chains of sin. John 8, 32 says, and you will know the truth. And the truth is, that should be capitalized, <laughs> Christ and his word. Amen. Should have told you, Dirk. And the truth will make you free. Amen. Christ. If you know Christ, you will make you free. John 8, 36 if the Son, who's Jesus, makes you free, you will be free indeed. See, when we, when we got saved, we accepted Christ, what a beautiful picture. The Bible talks about He gave us a new heart. Okay, we are a new creation. And that new heart and that cre- new creation that we became, the Bible says, I gave you a new plan and a new purpose and a new priority. I want you to pursue the things of, of me, He would say, and not the guilt that comes from pursuing a lifestyle of sin. As Christians, when we fall into sin and we make bad choices and we, we say or do or whatever we do and we come fall short of God's glory, He still loves us. He still wants us. And you know what? We have, the, we have a great promise in God's Word. If we fall short, if we break our fellowship, not our relationship, our fellowship with Him. 1 John 1, nine says this, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. You betcha. And if you mean it the first time, <laughs> you don't have to keep doing it. It's the lady that went to the preacher's office and said, Preacher, I've been, I've been asking forgiveness for a thousand times for this one thing that I've done. A thousand times. And I just can't seem to get forgiveness. And he said, Is God a liar? 
Well, you say, well, of course he's not a liar. Well, that verse says, if you confess, you're forgiven. <laughs> confess, forgiven, cleaned up. You don't have to keep doing it. I mean, he's already forgot it anyway. Okay? I mean, you've already, you did it, you confessed, you're forgiven, you're cleansed. I mean, it's out the back door. He won't even remember it. <laughs> what a great thing. What a great thing to be able to come to the Lord and say, man, I blew it, Lord, I confess. And you know what? You don't even have to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> He's going to give it to you anyway. That is, that is good stuff. I mean, that is, what a fringe benefit for being a Christian. The believer has none of that. But you and I do. Amen. We come to him and confess Amen. our past, our present, our future sins. Yep. Wiped out. Done. History. Gone forever. Amen. Amen. And amen. You betcha. The th- the, number three. The truth frees us from the bondage of death. That's a pretty good statement too. From the bondage of death. You know, most bl- unbelievers have a, uh, have a fear of death and dying. I, I heard on, I think it was last week, of, of some, uh, some guys that were talking about death and and their philosophy was, you know, that uh, I guess when I'm gone, you're going to bury me. And one of these days, I'll just be ashes and bones, and that's all it's going to be, and that's, that's it. And for the unbeliever, that's all there is in life, is there not? They don't know about a heaven. Well, they've heard about it, but they don't know about it. And they go, you know, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry in this old life because this is the only shot I got. And once it's done, it's done. But I am going to live it high on the hog until I take my last breath. They're going to live without any regrets. But they're also going to live without any hope. And they have, they have good reason to doubt and to fear death and dying. For the believer, we know by his death and his resurrection that what? Jesus conquered Death. Jesus conquered death. The sting of death no longer applies to the Christian. Did you know that? Sting of death no longer applies to the Christian. We know that when we take our last breath here, we'll take our first breath in heaven, born again believer. I don't know about you, but that is so comforting. We know that God will dispatch his angels. To come and to carry and to escort. And we learn Wednesday night even to protect you along the way. You take your last breath here. God's angels will gather you up and carry you into the very presence of his son Jesus. That's a pretty cool deal. That's something that's really cool. We know we will live forever. In a place where there is no death. Is no sorrow, is no crying, is no pain, is no sin. That's where we're going to live, Christian. I don't know about you, but that is a great fringe benefit of accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. We're going to live forever and forever and forever in a place called heaven. And we also know that we'll be in the very presence of Holy God forever and forever. We know, absent from the body... Present with the Lord for the born-again believer. We know 
that one day we will see our Christian mom and dad again, our Christian grandparents again. We'll see our Christian ancestors again. We will see our Christian family members. We will see our Christian friends. One day we'll be all gathered in heaven, having a big party. But the best thing about heaven is all, it's not just so much that we get to see family and friends, is that we will be in the presence of holy God. And the Bible says we will see him face to face. We will rub shoulders with Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross so that you and I could have an opportunity to be there. And we will again be able to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because without him, you're not going to get there. And I say that with all love. You're not going to get there without him. Thank you, Jesus. Don't you want to do that one day face to face? Thank you, man. Thank you, man. I, I'm not here without you. Thank you for shedding your blood on that cross, man. I, I, I'm so sorry how I live. Thank you that you still love me and you gave me that amazing grace. And you allowed my life here on this earth, those chains that kept me bound on this earth, no longer kept me bound. Because I'm free from the bondage of death. Who wouldn't want that in their lives? Don't you see some of the things, some of these things that we get as born-again believers, that's good stuff. I don't know why anybody would want anything else. The fourth one, real quick, I promise. The truth sets us free from the bondage of judgment and hell. From the bondage of judgment and hell. Most unbelievers would say, I don't really believe there's a heaven and a hell. Don't really believe it. You know, if, if there is, I don't think a, a holy God would send anybody to hell. And you know what? With that attitude, you're right. Did you know God never has sent one person to hell? And he never will? God never sends anybody to hell. It is your choice. You get to choose. You get to reject him here on this earth. You don't want to have nothing to do with him on this earth. You don't want to submit your life to him. He'll go, that's cool. That's what you want. I will honor that the way you lived here, and I will allow you to live that way for eternity. He's not going to force anybody to come to heaven that doesn't want to come. Wow. You know, you hear people say that, you know, if, if there is a heaven, uh, most of my buddies are going to be there. And we're just going to have a big old time. We're just going to have a big old time. It's all going to be cool. I told you about the, uh, the college student about oh, a year or so ago. I saw she was carrying the sign. She was, she was uh, demonstrating for the right to uh, kill your babies. And she had this sign and said, I'm going to hell and I am proud of it. That is sad. But that is where many of the mindset in this world today are. I don't care. I'm going to go. And my buddies are going to be there. We're going to have a good big time. See, what they don't understand, what they don't understand is hell is total and complete darkness. The Bible says God is light. Hell is absence of light. It is complete darkness. Can't even see in front of your face. Hell is loneliness. Holy, uh, hell is loneliness. It's being by yourself. It's isolated. You won't be playing poker with the buddies on Friday night. You won't even know where your buddies are. Because you're isolated for 
in eternity. The Bible says there's pain and there's suffering involved. The Bible says you're, you're un, let me see, unsatisfied desires will still be there. The alcoholic who is alcoholic on this old world right here will have the desire to have another drink in hell. And he won't be able to get it. The drug addict wants another hit. And in hell, he'll never be able to get it. Can you imagine the withdrawal for an eternity? The sex addict who is looking for love in all the wrong places will not find any in hell. The Bible says it is pain, it is suffering, it is a gnashing of teeth. And there's a day of judgment coming for those that have never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. A day of judgment is coming. Unbelievers need to be afraid of that day of judgment. Because in, in Re- Revelation 20:15 it says this. If anyone's name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. But let me tell you something. i got good news for you. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be in Revelation 20:15. For us as born-again Christians, we won't be there. We will have already done our thing at the judgment seat of Christ. For the Christian, we are free from eternal judgment. Did you know that? We will never be held accountable for our sins ever again. Never again. Glory. You betcha. And why is that? Because of what Christ did on the cross for us. When he shed his blood and died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. And we as his people have accepted that. We no longer have to think about, worry about, ponder a judgment because we won't be judged. Hallelujah. We'll be rewarded one day in the judgment seat of Christ, but we will not be judged at the great white throne judgment. We will not even be there. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a great promise. Yeah, I know that one. Are you standing on it? Do you believe it? John three thirty six says this. He who, had, who, who, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. That's a promise that's never been broken. But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life. And the wrath of God is upon him. Wouldn't you want to live a life now that's free from never, for never being judged again? What a great friend's benefit we have as Christians. What a great friend's benefit. You see, Christ, what he's done, he has is, he is freed us from the bondage of despair and doubt. And all we've got to do is just take his word, stand on it, believe it, trust it, have faith in it. What a great thing. That's what we get as a Christian. We don't have to have doubt, have no fear. He's taken us from the bondage of sin. Sin no longer has a control over us because those sins have been forgiven. I, I don't know about you, but that's good news. Okay? We are free from the bondage of death and dying. Because we know as a born-again believer, absent from this old body, present with the Lord. That's another promise that we can stand on and take to the bank because that's what's going to happen. And we are also free from the judgment, the bondage of judgment and hell. We'll never be judged again. And as we think about those encouragements, I hope, Paul has has talked about uh, for the last two chapters in Ephesians. He does the same thing in Colossians. And he says, he says, this is who you are, Christian. 
This is your benefits, Christian. This is the fringe thing that, that God is going to give you because you've accepted Christ. And he says, you have put on the new self. You've put on new clothes. And those new clothes are clothes of righteousness that Jesus has given to us. And he says, why would you ever want to go back to that old lifestyle? Why would you ever want to put on those garments of that old self that is wrapped around sin and doubt and judgment? Why would you, why would you want to ever go cross over there? Because look what you've got as believers. And he says, don't. He said, get rid of that old garment. Get rid of that old self. Put on righteousness. And live a life that is abundant now and a life that will never, ever end for eternity. Put it on, believer. And don't ever, (laughs) Paul says, ever go back to that lifestyle. Why would you ever want to do that? You know, for the Christian, I hope that's been an encouragement to you today. I hope it's been a reminder to you. That when the world kind of does some of that kind of stuff. Man, we are free from sin and from death and dying and the bondage of sin and doubt and fear. We don't have to live that way. And we don't, when we don't live that way, when we let our light shine for God, you know what? Those folks that don't know anything about us, <laughs> that are not believers, they're going to go, how can, you, how can you be that way with this world going like it's going? And they're going to want to know. And like I told you last week, we got something that they need. And that is Jesus. That is Jesus. I hope this has been encouragement to you. If you are never been born again, if you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, um, that would be a good day to do that. Give your, give your life to Him, Ron. Give your life to Him. Confess your sin. And you too can have some of those benefits that we talked about today. So you have a choice. I mean, you can sit there and just, oh, that's nice, Don. Good job. High five. And, and, and when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you go, okay. But if the Holy Spirit is convicting you and is telling you and is talking to you, you go, you've never been born again. It is so easy to get born again. Did you know it? It's so easy. All you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Not rocket science. You can do that where you're at right now. You can do that up here at the front. If you do it back there, I would ask you to come up to the front so I know about it. And all these other believers will go, "Hmm, high five. You know? Today could be your day. Okay? If you've never been born again. As we begin the invitation time, I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Christians, I want you praying. I want you praying hard for someone in this room. I don't know who it is. That's not a believer that needs Jesus today. Let's make today the day that salvation comes. As the piano plays, you do business with Holy God.